Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM. This here radio program gets many, many people talking about issues regarding their COVID cert and changes to it and waiting on it and delays and backlogs and also issues regarding passports and the backlog forcing families uh, to either split up going on holidays, some going without others or not being able to go at all. Much of it is to do with the backlog of uh, passports uh, for children and for babies. And they're saying, uh, according to The Independent, uh, that a number of the passport applications that um, you know, being worked on now for quite some time are uh, first-time adult applicants from, say, Northern Ireland and Britain because of Brexit, looking for Irish passports. Something like 27,500 of them in the first half of 2020 and over 24,000 more in the first half of this year. So you're looking at over well over 50,000 there. Um, so that's added into the mix as well. And, of course, the story after story of people waiting weeks, months, actually, for pa- passports that they still haven't received. So it's a story from the end. We'll come back to that. Uh, there's a worry that the All-Ireland hurling final could be a super spreader uh, on Sunday. It's interesting. You'd have uh, uh, 40,000 fans at Croke Park on Sunday, uh, but yet you can't go to a gig or two or three or four or five hundred people can't gather for a gig, never mind uh, less or more than that. But uh, they're now saying that if you're unvaccinated or partially vaccinated, uh, if you're going to be celebrating, celebrate responsibly, um, uh, if at all. And they're saying that unvaccinated fans should skip the match altogether because they're like more likely to contract and spread the virus to others. So they're worried about the all and because numbers are shooting up, unfortunately, uh, we're we're kind of heading back to January numbers now, and unfortunately, well, nowhere near it now. But they're saying that it's as high uh, as it's ever been uh, since January, in the sense that it's increasing all of the time, and also, uh, I think numbers in ICU have uh, doubled in the last few weeks. So that that's the worry with regards to that. Um, another story that's very interesting on Lisa, of course, because it's a story that, as the fellow says, keeps on giving. It's the robot uh, trees. Uh, apparently, you know, people were saying, you know, they're going to. People are going to write graffiti on them. They're going to damage them. They're going to be climbing them and stuff like that. I don't know if anybody's decided to climb them yet, but the uh, the robot trees, if you want to call them that, have been pelted with greasy fast food and they've been plastered with posters. Um, Owen English, there's a story in the examiner this morning saying that one of the posters says, uh, you can read it actually, the photographs are online as well. It says that the money spent on the robot trees, 350 grand of them, um, would have paid for 475,000 school meals for children in disadvantaged areas. Um, uh, the, the, the five trees are there. They're apparently... The actual workings of the trees haven't been damaged. It's had no effect on their uh, operation whatsoever. But these are the things to come, I suppose, with regards to these kind of trees, pelted with uh, fast food and also posters taped to them. So that's a story in the examiner this morning. Um, (laughs) This lovely um, to and fro between the Lord Mayor of Cork and the Mayor of Limerick has warranted a response from the Limerick Mayor, as I told you yesterday. I'll talk with Daniel Butler in a few minutes' time. Owen English describes it as a rasper of a response. A rasper of a response. Uh, they're claiming in Limerick, Liam McCarthy's mother, um, uh, and saying that, actually, if you want to be absolutely accurate about it, Liam McCarthy was born in London. I won't say much more than this, apart from the fact that uh, the Mayor of London says that he's quite happy for the Lord Mayor of Cork to take a look at Liam McCarthy, the cup, on Sunday. But that's as much as he's going to get, a look. So more on that in a few minutes' time. But there's a Limerick farmer then uh, who has put together his own giant bales of hay because uh, he's suggesting that the only thing that will stop Limerick from lifting the Liam McCarthy cup is what happened last time round 
for the se- the, uh, the the semi-finals where a huge tailback was caused on the M7 because there was a bale of hay uh, caused chaos when it fell off the back of a truck or a tractor or what have you. So he's saying it'll only be a traffic-stopping incident that'll stop Limerick from lifting the Liam McCarthy Cup. So don't worry about it. We're not the only cocky county in this one. Limerick are as good and given as good. Um, the Olympic star Jack Woolley makes the papers. Uh, he's been left with a hole in his face after that horrific attack last week, the uh, Taekwondo stand star, that serious injury to his upper lift. He, he was caught with a ring finger, apparently, and he was sucker punched. Uh, another issue then that's not a million miles from that is the verbal attack on Ryan Tuberty. He, uh, I think he might have spoken about it on his radio program yesterday. He certainly tweeted about it. Um, it was an incident in Don Leary when he was out walking with his, his daughter, apparently. Uh, and he was... Um, he was called an, the F word, you know, the F-A-W-G word. And he was called a paedophile. And he was told that he was um, the paedophile virus. Bunch of men in their 20s. Actually, he said at the time that a young guy about 25, I'd say he spent a fair amount of time in the gym. As he passed me, he says, Tuberty, you F word. Uh, then someone else started roaring in his face. You're the virus. You're the paedophile virus. Uh, he squared up to them eventually and said, you know, why are you saying that? Like, wh- what's going on here? Um, and and the, the, the story now has developed into should you square up to characters like that or just keep on moving? Pat Kenny said you shouldn't uh, because he said there could be a knife involved and before you know it, you're stabbed. Uh, but I felt quite an amount of admiration for Tuberty that he... He didn't walk past and just let them say whatever they wanted. He questioned them, squared up to them, if you like. Um, I, I think that he then decided it may be best to move on because it got quite menacing and he was afraid that maybe it could lead to uh, an actual physical attack. So that's a story. It's, it's an interesting story making the, the papers this morning uh, on the back of what happened to Jack Woolley. Some would say that it comes with the territory. Uh, I, I'm not so sure about that. Nobody should have to put up with that kind of grief or abuse. Because uh, you just don't know who you come up against these days or what they're on. You know, you just don't know. Uh, the amount of Irish doctors that are quitting the country. In fact, the Independent says that one of them called it working in a workhouse and they're heading overseas for better positions. A lot of them to Australia. Apparently, Australia is the primary beneficiary when it comes to the exodus of our medics. And that's a story from The Independent today. But one of the upsides, of course, to uh, um, the COVID-19, if there is any, is that some companies did really well out of it. And DHL, you, you can understand why, because of all of the parcels and stuff that's been delivered and bought online. They had a superb 2020, by all account, revenue of 104 million euro. Uh, last year, which is a record, apparently, from uh, from DHL. And there's more stories regarding uh, jobs. And, you know, I, I love seeing jobs on side. I wonder where everyone's going to live. Because for all of these jobs, there isn't the same amount of houses or apartments being built, unfortunately. But Janssen um, have a 180 job expansion for Ring Skiddy, And that's reported in The Echo today. And then, um, the I'll come back to this later on, but The Echo is saying that many, many, many applications are being put in now by families in Cork who are from Afghanistan, who are applying on behalf of family members that they want to be able to come over here. There's only 150 humanitarian visas being provided by the Irish government and applicants are being prepared for family members of Cork-based Afghans. So that's a nice story making this morning's echo. And the first of our free outdoor gigs starts in Cork this week. The first will be at Ballancolic Regional Park. The White Horse Guitar Club, who've played in this, on this program a few times, boy, they pack a punch uh, when you hear them all going together on guitars so they're playing um, this uh, weekend and the Lord Mayor will kick off the series 
with them playing uh, Balancholic Regional Park. This will be the first of seven free music gigs uh, in parks across the city from the 20th of August to the 4th of September. So it's good to be talking that up. If you're a Sudoku fan, you'll be sad to hear that the creator of the popular Sudoku puzzle has died at the young age of 69, Maki Keji. Um, apparently, it first, you know, first appeared in a very small, um, you know, little Japanese magazine way back along in the 1980s and pow, it just blew up. Took a while actually to grow if it started in the 1980s, but hugely popular now. And a couple of colliery stories from, did you know, because I didn't, that one of Mariah Carey's grandparents originally from County Cork. Um, She has now created her own brand of liqueur called Black Irish. She says it's a tribute to her heritage. Story in the Independent this morning. uh, Because the article says, she says the drink was created as a tribute to her biracial background with grandparents originally from County Cork and a Venezuelan father. That's why she's come up with the title Black Irish. I have no idea what it would taste like. But there it is nonetheless. And another one that I didn't get to yesterday. Noel Gallagher says he's starting to forget the lyrics of his songs. <laughs> I don't know whether he needs cue cards or one of those uh, screens, those invisible screens where you can get the lyrics for him. But he says he's forgetting the lyrics on stage and sometimes he makes the words up instead. He says he'll be on stage doing, doing Don't Look Back in Anger. And he says, I freeze. I get a brain freeze. Um, I get them when I'm doing gigs up to 70,000 people. He says, as the next line is coming, I think, seriously, seriously, what's the next line? What's the next line? <laughs> I generally don't know what it is. Sometimes it comes back to him. Sometimes it doesn't. So he improvises. The Neil Prenderville Show. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 1850104106. And away we go. Lots of calls, comments and emails to talk to the mayor of Limerick very soon. But just ahead of that, because uh, it was a story that I wanted to get to yesterday and didn't. uh, Because many, many people get in touch. Emails, phone calls, texts constantly on passport backlogs. Now, clearly they are doing their best because they are working. I know they're working and I know that births, deaths and marriages are working because they're, you know, they text me every Friday for free food Friday pizza. So they're at work. But maybe it's just the sheer quantity uh, of passports and births and certs and stuff that's needed that's causing problems. And we're inundated with calls from people waiting for their kids' first passports. Pat Dawson, who's CEO of the Irish Travel Agents Association, was on the news yesterday talking about it. And he joins me by phone. Pat, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Thanks for taking the time. Is it really a nightmare for lots of family? I mean, what's happening? I just don't understand the need at all. It is a nightmare and uh, it's ongoing. I mean, it's not just alone. People going to uh, Lanzarote or whatever else. I mean, I, I had a friend who, who lost uh, his brother and um, his sister had a passport and, and she couldn't go. Um, the sister died over in the UK and uh, she couldn't go over to her brother's funeral because she couldn't get an emergency passport and she couldn't get through. So it, it's it's a nightmare. I, I cannot understand. There's, there's one thing I can understand in this whole situation is that why are why isn't the Cork and Dublin passport offices opened? Have you asked it's them? As your, as your, you know, has the C, has the Irish Travel Agency Association asked them? Oh, we have uh, several times, but we can't get an answer. 
we cannot get an answer. And in actual fact, I was doing another radio programme yesterday and uh, a, a, a caller came in, a civil servant, came on, on online to me in the ITA a number and, and said, I'm calling, I, I, I'm listening to you on the radio. And, and he said, look, at he said, there are thousands and thousands of civil servants who are not busy at all, who will put their shoulder to the wheel, that's what he said to me, and would be delighted to, to be asked to do something and they haven't been asked. And he says, in our office uh, in Dublin, there, there should be 400 people in the office and there's 10. But maybe, what are the other 390 doing, working from home, is it? Well, yes. But Was I he mean, suggesting it's, it's nothing not, at all? Yeah. Well, uh, you know, it's a different thing. It's You know, it's, it's not a private business. Uh, you have no targets, no nothing to meet, yeah. no bills to pay as yeah. such. So it's a different regime, a different mindset as such, unfortunately. But at the end of the day, I mean, I honestly believe that the government purposely, purposely didn't bother w- with this situation, didn't look on it that there would be a pent-up demand. You knew and I knew that after the 19th of July, people would think about travelling when the cert c- came out. And, and certainly we, we see the build-up with, with people starting the book September, October. October, uh, bank holiday October is now full, Christmas uh, will, will be full, or, uh, and the new year and 2022 people are booking. So I think it was a slowdown travel purposely because, Neil, there is no other logic to this. Some are suggesting it's intentional in the sense that they don't want people to travel and they're not, in, they're not, they're just not bothered with wanting to help them to travel. Would you think there's any truth in that? Oh, I, that's what I'm saying. I think you're 100% correct. I, I think that is the situation and, and, and it is a s- essential service. It is vital and people I know, for example, the people had new, new, new children over the last 12 months, 18 months or whatever else. They, they have booked for holidays in September, October. Uh, family members of mine have and, 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 and a new baby has not been put on the passport and they're still waiting and they've paid whatever they have paid and, and so if, if they have no valid passport, uh, you cannot travel and money down the drain. So it's a very serious situation and I cannot understand it's an essential service it's as essential as having a supermarket having anything else and it's the only government department I think that's not open and it's not just people going on holidays no disrespect to them everybody deserves a break and they're excited and looking forward to it it's also people who need to visit family there could be emergencies there could be impending deaths there's 95,000 online passport applications in the system at the moment according to the independent 95,000 of them Mother of God, they must be swamped. Swamped. And, and, you know, a new passport is, is, is very good and very quickly. And we have to give praise where praise is due. I mean, the passport office up to now have given excellent service and have given an excellent service over, over the years. But for some reason, somebody decided, the hierarchy decided, look at, shut down the two offices, uh, you know, de- delete the staff for the time being. And I, I agree with you, Neil. I firmly believe it's a slow down travel because the government never wanted people to travel at all. And if they had their way, the certificate that had to be issued and they were forced, they were pulled, dragging and screaming to get the, the certificate, the DCC issued on the 19th of July, were worst in class. And if you, talk, you see airlines on, you see Ryanair's on and the Aer Lingus people on, talking about the fact that, you know, getting their, their show on the road and getting up and running. Yeah. Cork Airport, look at Cork Airport. Uh, you know, it's, it's down to 20 routes a, a, a day as such. And it's closing down, which doesn't help either. 
either. But having said all that, I, we in the association feel it's a slowdown travel. Yeah, and added to the fact of 95,000 online applications in the system now, the average number of applications being received every week is 20,000. Yes, yes. So where are we? Where are we today? Where are we today on that number since those figures? But were, since, were May, but according to the Independent, in fairness to them, since May, they have turned around and produced three hundred and twenty-five thousand one hundred and forty-eight. So they're not sitting on their hands. They've produced since May three hundred twenty-five thousand passports. Yeah, but Neil, how how come how come the backlog if the if they were getting through them and if they saw this this wasn't flagged yesterday the day before this is flagged months ago as you say these thousands and thousands of passport passports were coming in and it should have been people should have said those people in charge we should have said boys and girls we need another hundred staff or two hundred staff because there's plenty of staff around in, in different departments to help out and it's not rocket science to put a passport together. Yeah, and, and okay, well that's true. Shoulders to the wheel bring people in from other departments if they're not busy I understand that listen you just mentioned the COVID cert and issues related to that has all that been resolved now are there still issues with regards to the issuing of the COVID cert I think by and large it has been. Uh, it, it, it was a, t- a teething problem, as you know, with incorrect names. Uh, you know, they, they, to be fair and give credit, they did open up new lines. And I, I believe we, we don't get any feedback now, negative feedback, uh, that, that it's, it's not working properly. I mean, I used it going down to Spain and it worked perfectly well. There was no issues, uh, Cork Airport or wherever else, and it's now running smoothly. Is there any emergency system in operation for passports? You know the way it was always hearing that your local TD could get it sorted for you faster, that they have a hotline. Is, is that the case? Yes, yeah, so I believe, I believe um, uh, you know, um, uh, TDs, most TDs have it, but I, it's only it's only really, really in a, in a big emergency and certainly we don't want, you know, uh, TDs to be swamped uh, with, with uh, people and that's what would happen and I know it has happened uh, over this period of time, but yes, there, there, is, there is an emergency line, but in that emergency line you wouldn't get through for a month or two of because it's it's uh, absolutely packed and, and chock a block. So we, we, we'll just have to wait and see. And, and we, you know, there has been a massive response about this issue uh, from your, from yourselves and, and other media outlets. And hopefully, somebody will will grab the reins and say, "Look, this is an issue. It's an essential service. It's a service to our citizens, and let's sort it out." Yeah, there's the story of the Ryan family, where the family were split up: Finbar and Annette Ryan with their children Ellie, Liam, and baby Ben. Ben's passport didn't arrive, so Dad had to stay at home with the baby while the others went overseas. That, that's another typical story yeah. like that. Yeah. So are you calling for both passport offices to go back into the office and go back to work? Absolutely, absolutely. And there's no reason why, I mean, it can be done by appointment, uh, you know, and from a health point of view, you, you know, and I think it was being done uh, up to the closure by appointment only, and it's safe. And, you know, there's, there's, we're now used to have, having safe, safety run offices and, and public offices. And, and, and there's, there's no reason why it cannot be opened. And many, many, you know, older generation need to talk to face to face people and sort out their issues. And, and remember, I mean, 
mean, people haven't, you know, haven't travelled for 18 months or whatever else. And passports, you know, passports go out of date all the time, as you know. It's not the responsibility of the person to make sure it doesn't on time, no? It is. It it is, of course. Of course. But, you know, you're sort of, uh, with the pandemic and no travel for 18 months more, you aren't sort of looking at your passport and checking it. And then you suddenly said, oh, God, I can go from the 19th of July. Oh, my passport is out of date. I know. Hence the problem. I know. there should be, there's no reason, Neil, why, why supermarkets are open, all those services are open. There's no reason whatsoever. I'd like to see any official tell me why it's closed. Okay, okay. There was a story in the Echo yesterday, front page of the Echo, with people um, who were bemoaning the fact that they can't get in and out of Australia and can't get back home. They could come home, couldn't they? But they wouldn't be able to go back to Australia. That's the problem for them, correct. isn't it? Yeah. That's yeah. correct. That's, That's a heartbreak. Correct. Okay, all right. And do you think that the Brexit backlog of passports as well hasn't helped? You know, all of the passports... I'd say, yeah, I'd, I'd say that has added to it. Like, it, it has, has been, you know, a, a, a meeting together of three or four different problems and he, hence the log jam. And, and let me tell you, uh, it looks like that normality with the passports is going to be another two or three months by the sounds of it. All right, listen, stay in touch. Thanks for taking the call, Pat, as always. Pat Dawson, CEO of the Irish Travel Agents Association. Your thoughts are welcome. If you're suffering or if you're caught in that backlog, it's nearly 100,000 online passport applications in the system um, and they're adding 20,000 new applications per week, it seems. A lot of people looking for passports while also acknowledging the fact that since May, over 325,000 passports have been produced. So in their defence, with regards to the working condition they're under and the offices being closed, they're not sitting on their hands as such. Lines open on that text 0868104106. Talk to Neil Printerville now. 1851-04106. Red FM. You betcha. I was chatting with the Lord Mayor of Cork yesterday, Colm Kelleher. He, of course, sent a letter to the Mayor of Limerick, Mayor Daniel Butler, saying that um, we believe that you have something that we lost and we'd like it back. And he describes it to him and he tells him of the affinity with the Liam McCarthy Cup in Cork. And he says, as the Mayor of Limerick, can you please arrange to bring Liam McCarthy to Croke Park on Sunday for collection. I will arrange for him to be picked up at around half past five and rightly returned to Leaside that Liam McCarthy has found it quite distressing being not being back in Leaside for over 16 years. And there's no place like home and certainly no place like Cork. So that letter went off. Um, I don't know whether uh, it caused consternation uh, uh, in Limerick, but the Mayor of Limerick duly responded to the Lord Mayor of Cork, thanking him very much for his letter, which he says he found very amusing, crossed out and substituted with interesting. He said, unfortunately, there are a number of glaring inaccuracies in it that cannot be left stand, which may be difficult for a Corkonian to accept. He says, to begin with, Liam McCarthy was a native of London, whose mother Bridget hailed from the hurling heartland of Bruff in County Limerick. Bridget was a huge Limerick hurling fan, and as you know yourself, mammies are always right, and there's no supporter like a Limerick supporter. (laughs) Far be it that we would wipe your eye, crossed out, take something belonging to someone else. But I must point out that Limerick were the very first recipients of the Liam McCarthy Cup in 1923. So Liam is back home and is very comfortable on Shannon's side. Liam is indeed so comfortable that he has stayed for the two of the past three years. While I can imagine how anxious you are to see Liam again, I'm certain that we will give you a very clear answer on Sunday um, and let you have a look at him before he returns to Limerick. Uh, Limnook Abu, uh, Councillor Daniel Butler, the Mayor of, of the City and County of Limerick. And the Mayor joins me by phone. Mayor Butler, good morning. 
Good morning. Uh, a very nice response. Do you think that that'll do it? I mean, uh, will we will we let it rest there and let let uh, the answer be on the pitch on Sunday, perhaps? Well, look, Neil, uh, we're, we were only too delighted in to, to be of assistance to your Lord Mayor, uh, first of all, in as you've outlined there, clarifying a couple of the, the uh, mistakes that were made in the letter. Um, but we were understanding of that. I'm sure that there's a great excitement that you're back in Crow Park in Cork and in the, in the thing, exuberance a few mistakes were made, but we're delighted to clarify them. And look, we, we are only too happy to be of assistance to the Lord Mayor um, uh, in, in the coming days, just to, because I know it's been a while since you've been in Crow Park in Ireland final day, so we'd be quite happy to uh, kind of give him, a, give him a refresher and, and maybe even show him the way to, show him the way to Cork Park in case he needs that. So we're only, be, we're, only, we're only too happy to be of assistance. And um, you know, there was a lot. There was a lot of words on the page. Uh, there was a lot to say. But in Limerick, you know, we're more uh, kind of a county of action. So it's going to be Hurley's at high noon tomorrow. <laughs> Actually, somebody said in the papers this morning that the only thing that would stop Limerick from lifting the Liam McCarthy Cup is bales of hay on the road up to Croke Park. <laughs> uh, well, there's, a, there's a number of theories about like, a conspiracy of a certain Watford uh, farmer uh, making his way to, to Dublin uh, <laughs> on that Sunday. Um, uh, but don't worry, we, we've, we, we have learned from, from that. And if, if anybody, if any of your cock listeners, farmers are thinking of trying the same, we, we, have, we already have a plan of action ready to go. <laughs> You're not going to share it, no? Oh, no, 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 we couldn't share that now at this stage. You know, it's, it's a tactical um, a secret. So we're, we're well prepared here in Limerick. We, we've seen it all. Like I say, we've been up and down Dublin quite, quite a bit over the recent years. So we were, we're, we're, we're well prepared. You're quietly confident then, are you? Um, well, look, you know, far for me to be, you know, I'm, I'm on in, in, in enemy territory here now at the moment, I suppose. Um, uh, <coughs> look, we 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 worked very hard as a city and county here in Limerick. The team in particular have prepared very hard over the last number of years, and through that hard work and effort, it's, it's producing results. Um, but we've we've gone up to Dublin. We've we produced results. We've produced the performances, and it, it earned us. We we didn't have to send any letters or anything like that. You know, we just. <laughs> but you regarded as a begging letter. <laughs> well, look. Yeah, you have to try something, I guess. You know, uh, you know, desperate times require desperate measures. Um, so we're, we're we're completely understandable. We've had a few tough years ourselves, so we're we're completely empathetic with the people of Cork. So, kind of like feel sorry for us, then, is it? I thought we feel sorry. You know, there's a sense of camaraderie and reaching out across borders. You know, in these tough times, um, we're so we're. We, we 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 want to show our empathy and, and our hospitality and our and our kindness. If you want, to, if you feel sorry for us, let us win. <laughs> uh, look, you know, we, we don't want to be condescending either. Now, Neil, you know, you know, we, we you know, it's an opportunity for learning and growth for your, yourselves and the council and the team, and we wouldn't want to deprive you of that. So, after you beat Cork on Sunday, then will you allow the Lord Mayor go into a little room to um, be reunited temporarily with Liam McCarthy and have a little cry on his own? Is it? Well, look, you know, he he get a glimpse of it anyway, at the very least, for a short period on Sunday. Uh, and I, I, I advise him to take a few pictures and enjoy the moment. And look, if, if, if I can be of assistance, if I can be of assistance any time in the future, I'd be I'd be delighted to be of support. <laughs> oh my God! Have you any tickets knocking around up there, incidentally, Daniel? 
Well, I, I hear there's a few competitions for t- for tickets in Cork, and I was thinking of entering and doing them to because I still haven't got mine. Um, <laughs> and they're like gold dust here in Limerick, you know, um, as, as I'm sure they are in Cork as well. It's tough times, so um, I'm thinking of changing my name by Depot and entering a few competitions because I think I might be found out if uh, if I do enter them to my own name. Um, oh, but, but yeah, it's very tough out there, you know, and. Uh, what I want to say in all seriousness is, you know, is to wish Cork every the best of luck on Sunday. Um, it's a very special moment to be in Crow Park um, for, any, for any team, for any at any time. And, you know, it's great to see two neighbours and Munster dominating uh, Harlan uh, back up in, in, in Dublin and showing the rest of the country uh, what Harlan is all about. Yeah, but you, you do say that you'll we will wipe your eye and we'll give you a very clear answer on Sunday. Your words, not mine. <laughs> Yeah, there'll be a very clear answer on Sunday. You know, um, I think it's been coming for a, coming for a while now. Um, look, there will be a very clear answer on Sunday. The, the, the best team will win out in the day, and uh, I, I um, will be looking forward to uh, safe celebrations in the mix. <laughs> Are you meeting Cork's Lord Mayor tomorrow or something? Yes, as I say, it's Hurley's at high noon on the border tomorrow, Thursday. What is that? Like a photo op or something? Is it? Oh, I'm taking this very seriously. <laughs> I, I, I don't know why you're all laughing at them there. This is very serious stuff. I'm Do you play hurling? Well, I, 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 I tempt her anyway. Uh, I tempt to play hurling. Um, so, yes, hurling's a high noon, like I say, in Limerick, we're, we're more about action. So I said, OK, we replied to the letter. Uh, we'd like to be, like I said, to be of assistance. Uh, so then I asked the Lord Mayor, would you like to, uh, you know, put a bit of, bit of action in, 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 in the place? and meet at the border. So we're meeting on the N69 tomorrow, right on the border. It's going to be tense. It's going to be tense, Neil. It's going, I'm, not, I'm not lying to you. It's going to be tense. Uh, and uh, I'm uh, just, just about to head out now to the gym, uh, just to get preparation uh, and just uh, get a bit of attitude training in as well, I think, just to, just to give, myself, give myself that bit of edge for tomorrow. So Hurley's at high noon on the Cork-Limerick border tomorrow between you and our Lord Mayor. Um, why, why don't you have the lo- a longest puck competition? Uh, we we could Neil, um, but like I say, you know, I you know don't want to be embarrassing anybody, you know. So look, we we will go down. We we'll, you know we we we'll, we'll take it easy. We'll we'll show uh, we'll, we'll show our preparation. We'll we'll we'll, we'll, we'll go eye to eye, and uh, we'll, we'll 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 I'll head back to Limerick. And uh, where Lee McCarthy currently is, I don't know if you're aware of that. And, um, <laughs> if you don't behave yourself now, we won't build the Cork Limerick motorway. <laughs> uh, oh, absolutely. Best of, best of luck with that. Um, because, I mean, you'll probably need it in order to get to get reasonable access to Lee McCarthy. So I would encourage you to speed it up. <laughs> but if you're that anxious to see Lee McCarthy, I, th- I think you know, you need to get that motorway. Get a better road. <laughs> All right. Well, the Lord Mayor has texted now to say, I'll see him tomorrow. <laughs> Oh, he'll see me all right. <laughs> he won't see me in McCarthy, though. Right, okay. All right. Daniel, thanks for taking the call. Appreciate it. Well done. Well said. All the best. And good luck on Sunday, incidentally. All right. Good luck to everybody. Know your listeners and the Cox supporters. Stay safe and enjoy, enjoy the day. And good luck tomorrow as well with the Hurleys at high noon on the border. Good luck. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> at this day, you know, tomorrow at midday, we should probably play something like from one of the spaghetti westerns, you know, one of the Clint, East, Clint Eastwood or Ennio Morricone soundtracks. Hi.
High noon tomorrow. Actually, I was thinking a lot about this, actually, just reminding myself as to why Liam McCarthy belongs uh, on Lee side and why Liam McCarthy belongs in the greatest county in Ireland. Uh, and I just did a list of them this morning. I'm quite sure that you guys will text ones that I missed. That and more after the break. Text The Neil Prenderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. So while there are lots and lots of reasons as to why Cork is the best in every way, shape or form, it's also not lost on me. The fact that we have a Lord Mayor of Cork and in Limerick they have a Mayor so we have the Lord Mayor. They have um, simply no disrespect to the office of Mayor in Limerick, but they don't have a Lord Mayor. Nor, incidentally, do they have the English Market or Barry's Tea or Tanora or the Shandon Bells or Better Pubs or their county is not the food capital of Ireland. They don't have Jameson Whiskey. I think Bailey's also was produced out of Cork down Middleton Way. They don't have Roy Keane. Sonia O'Sullivan, they can't claim the O'Donovan brothers, they can't claim the Olympic medals that we have. Killian Murphy, Jonathan Rees-Myers, Fiona Shaw. Did you see Fiona Shaw in Batiste, the latest series of Batiste? She is absolutely incredible. What a talent. She is brilliant in it. I mean, award-winning brilliant. If you haven't seen it yet, watch it. Rory Gallagher, for instance. Christy Ring, Graham Norton, uh, Michael Collins, KC's. They know KC's in Limerick, nor Jackie Lennox, nor Hillbillies. And they don't have Cork slang like. They don't have West Cork in all its beauty. They didn't have any of the water protesters that kicked it all off. That came from Leeside. Uh, they don't have a passport. We have a Cork passport. Uh, we have a Lord Mayor, as I say. We have the jazz. And I also mentioned that we even have a book proving the point. 101 Reasons Why Cork is Better Than Dublin. I'm quite sure that if Patrick, Pat Fitzpatrick put his, uh, his shoulder to the wheel, he'd come up with 101 Reasons Why Cork is Better Than Limerick. There's a challenge for you, Pat. Get working on that. Anyway, add to that list, please. What have I forgotten? Text 0868104106. Meanwhile, Julie is holding. Julie, good morning. Hi, Neil. How are you? Keeping? I'm good, thank you. And let this be a warning. What happened to you? So basically the excitement of Cork getting into the final really got the better of myself and my boyfriend. Yeah. Um, we were trying to get tickets. We've been joking saying that we'd sell our house or our car for a ticket. And like as the mayor of Limerick said, they're like, you know, they're like gold dust. Like we are big fans and supporters of the GEA. Like pre-COVID we would attend a lot of matches, both hurling and football. So if you're down Black Rockway, you're a Rockies fan then? Well, I'm not Blackrock, really, yeah. So I'm kind of more Middleton direction. Okay, okay, all right, okay. <laughs> so I was in part of the GA club in East Cork up to even a few years ago. Obviously, with work commitments then, I wasn't a member. So and I agree, like I know there's only 40,000 tickets there and they are going to the club members and I, I totally understand that. So, but obviously it got to the better of Is it okay for them tickets. to be going, is it okay for them to be going to top tables and executive committee members? Do you know what? I, I, to be honest, I don't mind Neil about that. Um, look, club members, they do deserve the tickets, I think. Um, so I suppose we were looking for tickets on ourselves and I typed into Facebook. There was loads of draws coming up. Sure, we've mentored nearly a mall. And then I put it into Google just to see all our tickets on Thursday. So an ad for Dundee had popped up from the seller from Cork and it was only 10 minutes ago. And like it, the, it just got to the better of me and I was like, I'm going to have to go into this advert. So I knew I had to be the first. Now, even though there was 130 views, I was like, oh God, are they going to be gone or not? So on the ad, it said two All-Ireland tickets for sale, 150 or each contact and his phone number. Mm. 
So I messaged this guy saying, hi, I'm interested in two of these tickets. What part of the stadium are these for? Where in Cork are you? Are these, t- are these official tickets, hard copies? I'm not interested in printout. I, I couldn't get the message out fast. You enough. weren't interested in printout because it could be just photocopies of an original uh, and they're done. Exactly. And I knew, I know from like matches myself, I know what the official tickets look like. So he replied, you can have either Cusick stand and I'm based in Black Rock. Oh, sorry. So you see, that's why I thought you were in Blackrock. You're in Middleton. He's in Blackrock. Okay. He's in Blackrock. Yeah. Exactly. So Cusack said, oh, stand, fab- you're saying. All right. Okay. Yeah. The Cusack stand, he said. And I said, oh, fabulous. I said, do you mind asking me how you actually got them so early? Because it's only Thursday. I knew they weren't being released till Monday. So this is probably when I really fell for him. He said, hi, Julie. They will be released Monday. I'll have them Tuesday. I'm a rep for Guinness. So I get all the games. And I said, oh, my God, wow, unreal. I will keep them. Will you keep them for me? So, please, I can meet you somewhere Tuesday. And he responded, the only reason I'm selling them is because I have a family wedding next Saturday. I paid 140 each. So all I ask is for a deposit to secure them. I can send you my details and photo ID so you know it's legit. Thanks. So I suppose I was kind of talking to my boyfriend then and I was like, well, if he's sending on his photo ID, you know, and give me his name with his address on his driver license. You know, why would he be not genuine? And did he do that? Yeah, he sent it on the ID and everything. So before I wanted to send on it to pause, I said, look, I just want to ring him. Just I suppose you get a better vibe off someone by ringing them on the phone. Right. So I tried to ring him back in the meantime just to speak to him properly, but there was no answer. So I text him, okay, perfect. If you give me a ring back, we can have a chat about the deposit. Thank you. He says, I'll ring you back in 10 minutes, Julie. So he gave me the story then about the wedding and how he's arrested. He did ring then, did he? He did, yeah, he did. So he gave me the um, the message then about how he's a rep for Guinness and how he gets all games and about he can't go because he's a wedding. So he first asked for a deposit at 150. So at the meantime, I had him on a loudspeaker and my boyfriend was like, just go for it. And I was like, no, not a hope. I said, 150 is an awful lot, you know, to try and get back. I don't have that money to waste anyway. So I said, no, I said, I'll give you 50, but that's the best I can do. And can I do it through PayPal? He said, not a hope. He said, 100 euros is the best I can do. People promise me the sun, moon and stars, and then they mightn't turn up. So I was like, oh God, I was like, look, it's either 50 or nothing. So I was like, can I do it through PayPal? He said, grand, look, 50 is the lowest I can go. He said, no, I don't want you doing it through PayPal. I want you to do it during a bank transfer. So... In the meantime, anyway, um, he sent on his details and I said, look, do you mind sending on your photo ID as well, just so I know? So he sent on his bank details. I transferred the 50 euro and I said, just sent now. Will you let me know when you've got received? So in the meantime, I was on to one of my friends and I was like, look, what's the best way to approach this? You know, I have a gut feeling that he's not genuine. So she said, just send well, a text but, message. But you didn't, but, but did you not have the gut feeling before you sent the 50, you know? I did, I did, but I suppose with the two of us there, it's just, okay. I was like, I'm Where, just going to do it. Okay, but so you sent the 50 to his bank account, etc., etc. Where were you supposed to pick the tickets up from, incidentally? Or how were you supposed oh, so to pay he, him the balance? So he told me he would meet meet me Tuesday or Tuesday evening in Mahan Point. Last Shopping night? Center. Yeah. Okay, so you said to a buddy, I may have done a thing that I'll regret, is it? Yeah, and usually I would, it wouldn't be like that. I'd be like, look, think before you act, nearly. 
So I sent him a text message um, that morning, Friday morning, and I said, look, can you acknowledge that you've received a deposit of 50 euro? And to be fair, he did. He said, I will text you early next week when I have the ticket. So I suppose I went kind of searching for him then on social media, just in case. I just still had the feeling. Um, I couldn't find him anywhere, but then I put his name into Google and I knew it was just a big mistake from there on. Why? Um, I suppose he's been convicted of a lot of crimes, really. He's only been out of prison. And even if he had the tickets there, Neil, I wouldn't have went from what I read, to be honest. Okay, okay. Well, I won't go into the criminal activity or the convictions, but you're sure it's the yeah. same person? Oh, 100%, because okay. the, like, with the news reports okay. that come up, it's his address that's on his licence, yeah. Okay, so when you saw that, what did you do next? So I suppose then I was like, look, I'm going to like just leave it now. And I was even saying it to my boyfriend, she's like, look, he could still be genuine, you know. And I was like, oh God, I don't know if he is genuine, to be honest. So I text him Monday, no reply. Text him yesterday, can you please don't let me know if you've got the tickets, you know, I want to meet you somewhere on Wednesday to pick them up. No reply. Tried to ring, rang out, tried to ring again last night and he just blocked me. And the ad on done deal, um, is it still there? No, he took it down on Saturday morning because I've been lucky with that and everything. I've screenshotted everything. Um, he took it down, so I don't know if he's done this to many other people or is it just myself. To so while he was I playing don't... you, he clearly would have been playing other people because people would have reached out and tried desperately to get the tickets from him and possibly, like you, sent him deposits. Maybe even of sent course. him more money than you. And like he was very adamant for that €150 Euro to be sent to him and I was just adamant that I wasn't going to send him that much. Okay. I think only for me saying to him, no, 50 is the limit, he would have taken it all really okay. to be honest okay. and just ran so that on, on what you've described really that's a crime and you have evidence of who he is etc etc have you gone to the guards so that's actually my next step now this morning Neil um, is just to go to the guards about it but like from what he's convicted about it before it's only like water up a duck's back I think yeah. to be honest yeah it's very sad isn't it that somebody would use it's such sad. an occasion but to be scamming what, people but Neil what kind of upset me was that I can afford to lose that 50 euro like a young person who is a real like Cork supporter mightn't be able to afford to lose that money. And they'd be down know? in Maham Point at the appointed time and he wouldn't show. He wouldn't show. Or worst of all, if it was for an 18th present or, you know, it's it's heartbreaking. Like I couldn't even sleep thinking about like, oh my God, if you've done this to someone else, yeah, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're taking it on the chin in fairness to you to some extent. To be fair, I am, because you know what? What is the point of letting him get to me now? You know, we're in a final now, we're going to enjoy it regardless. And this guy claims that he's a Guinness rep. Um, you say he's going around Black Rock. Uh, you say that he's based in Black Rock, is it? Ba- based in Black Rock, yeah, yeah. And he's going around saying yeah. that he's a Guinness rep and he has access to all of the tickets. He can't go because he's got a wedding or something. He's not looking to make on it. Um, he sounds like way too much like a good Samaritan for me to be true. And clearly he isn't yeah. true. So let people be aware of it. Um, uh, you need to go to the Garda Shikon on that, though, because we need to stamp out that kind of stuff. Definitely. Yeah, that would be my next step now, Neil. Yeah, All right. definitely. OK, let people be aware. Let people be warned. Thanks, Julie. You're, you're still um, on the hunt for tickets, I suppose. Oh, still on the hunt now. And can I just say as well, thanks so much to Julie Twins and me. The minute I messaged her last night, she had it up on her Instagram to just let people aware. I know. Ah, well, I mean, listen, there's many, many people could fall for something like that because of the excitement and the need and the shortage of tickets. So don't be, don't be, uh, don't be, don't be kicking yourself over it. It happened and let it be a warning that he doesn't catch anybody else. He's probably, he probably has his money made by now and has moved on, you know. 
Oh, most certainly. Yeah. Most certainly, Neil. Yeah. 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 Most God knows. Let's see if anybody else has been caught by this character. Thanks, Julie. Good luck with the Thank tickets. You. Take Thanks, care. Neil. Bye. Bye, bye, bye. Text 0868104106 if you know anything uh, with regards to that or other kind of scams like that regarding All Ireland hurling final tickets. Back after 10. Hey, it's Killian. Join me Sundays from 10 for loads of music, a bit of chat, and my mildly interesting facts of the weekend. It's the Sunday 10 to 2 show with Killian on Corks Red FM. Well done to everybody who's making an effort with regards to flags. Uh, I see a lot of it happening on Twitter and I'm happy to give shout outs for places that really are, um, you know, festooned with the red and white. Abbeville Veterinary Clinic, well done to them. Looks fantastic. Loads and loads of colour and bunting up. Also, Pad the Piper's house. I hope to have a chat with Pad the Piper. Uh, also, got some stuff in, a photograph in uh, from Lebanon, uh, from our army in Lebanon with core colours and the rebel flag and all sorts of stuff for the lads. A great shot. Fantastic photograph. Even core cork support. Uh, in Lebanon. As well as that, I hear that the clock tower in Yall has been um, festooned as well with red and white, as has the bandstand in Cove. So well done to both Yall and Cove making extra efforts. And I was driving around yesterday, happened to be down around the Ballon Temple and Black Rock area. Um, Ballon Temple looks fab, lots and lots of flags. Not seeing a huge amount, it was cycling actually. So, you know when you can go over the flyover as you're going, say, across the road, just down flyover, taking you to Black Rock. Parts of it is cut off now, man, it's closed. But at one stage you, you walk or you run or you cycle over the flyover. And I stood on the flyover for five minutes just to say, I'd stand here for five minutes and see the cars. Uh, and no flags at all. But then I was thinking, maybe they're cars that aren't from Cork. They're either leaving Cork on the flyover or coming through Cork or whatever. But nothing there. So we need more car flags up. But other than that, Ballon Temple certainly look good uh, and keep it coming. I don't normally do this sort of thing and I'm kind of embarrassed. But if you know of any club that is a spare, not likely, ticket to this Sunday's ga, please put me in the right direction. Will you? I don't know of any, incidentally. I really and truly don't. But I'm happy to read out your email. Uh, I'm what people would call a sunshine supporter at the moment as I didn't get into GAA until I met my boyfriend three years ago but my grandpa lost his mom uh, two weeks ago that's interesting Uh, she was 96 and one of the oldest and most respected residents in our parish it's really after hitting him hard and I'd love to do something that would cheer him up tried many clubs for tickets but no luck I thought I'd chance you as my last resort Thanks for taking the time to read the message. Well, condolences to the family on the loss, but, um, you know, I mean, if, if I got tickets at this stage, I would absolutely collapse. Um, but happy to read out your, your, your email and listen, good luck with the hunt on behalf of uh, your relative. Um, but uh, there's very little chance of anything going and begging. And that's why people will fall victim, as the fellow says, people will fall victim to to scams like the one out of Blackrock from this so-called Guinness rep who's obviously a scam artist and a fraudster. But I tell you what we do have. We have balloons, we have bunting, and we have car flags every single day this week. We have 10 packs of them. Uh, They've been put together in packs uh, and we'll have 10 different winners. Give away two yesterday. And that's John and the gang from Twilight News on Patrick Street. Uh, They also have a shop down Parnell Place and also in the Paul Street Shopping Centre. So your prize will include two balloon displays with a fantastic cork flag coming up the middle of the balloon display, 50 feet of cork colour bunting and flags car flags for 10 lucky listeners and we'll be giving them away in the next few days now I've come up with um, I've come up with a better 
queue to call. You know, I was using one yesterday, but forget about the one I mentioned yesterday. We've actually come up with a better one, right? Um, so this is the one we're going to use. You hear this, you get on the phone. Uh, I'll tell you the caller numbers later on. It'll probably be caller 10 and 11 uh, for our bunting, our balloons and our car flags. Um, so when you hear this, that's your cue to call. On the banks of my own lovely lake. I think we're all agreed that's a much better cue to call, isn't it? Yeah, okay. More traditional, more inspiring. So when you hear that, get on the phone for your bunting, your balloons and your car flags. Lines open for all other business, one 106 You can text 0868-104-106. Can I also just say that I was chatting yesterday morning with Ken O'Flynn on air and it's important uh, to correct things if they are wrong. Uh, and we were chatting on air and I think he was also originally shared this on his own Twitter page, a photograph that I believe originated with uh, the UK Mirror. Uh, and the impression that was given was that it was a plane load, a plane full of Afghani men who were being evacuated out of Kabul airport. And the point that Kenneth Flynn was making at the time was, firstly, we need to be careful about who's coming into the country. He made those comments. He stands by those comments. Uh, but that uh, that the plane was full of men and why there weren't any women and children on it. And I asked him during the conversation, were we 100% sure that this photograph was actually of men who were being evacuated from Kabul in the recent days and not an old photograph. Well, it turned out uh, later on yesterday that it was an old photograph. Apparently, the photograph was from 2018 when Turkey deported 454 Afghani men back to Afghanistan. That was the original photograph. It wasn't from this week. It's three years old. It's a bit like the photographs and the videos that were doing the rounds out of India at the time um, where they were saying that the photographs were COVID-19 deaths and COVID-19 people presenting very, very sick at hospitals when it turned out to be some kind of a gas explosion uh, video footage and photographs from some years back. That's what happens in social media. Um, anyway, Ken O'Flynn then went back online and said, earlier today I wrongly attributed this photo to a flight out of Kabul, possibly to America, of Afghans. It was an honest mistake. It's actually from 2018 when Turkey deported 554 Afghans back home. He says, but there are still aren't any women or children. Uh, he says, the photo was put online. I stand by my comments regarding checks and balances and I stand by my support for the women and children of Afghanistan. So it's important that I correct that because it wasn't actually a photograph uh, as was being purported yesterday of men only. Some people were suggesting that maybe it was interpreters who were working for the UK, the EU and for America who were being deported. It's an old photograph. Uh, I know that some people got quite irate about that. So uh, from my point of view, I wanted to clarify an update. Not the right photograph. Different photograph, three years old. Back after the break. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Okay, just uh, on those texts, keep them coming. Text things that I missed in my list there as to why Cork is better than anywhere else. Dublin, 
Limerick, wherever. Keep them coming. Text 0868 104 106. 104 to 106. Red FM. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Posted a photograph on my own Instagram page of my fish finger sandwich. Beautiful, beautiful with ketchup and beans on the side. It drives people crazy when I talk about food in the mornings, particularly as they're looking forward to their own lunch break. Stop talking about food. I'm so hungry. I don't have a break for another hour. And then, of course, I got criticism because the butter was out of the fridge and it didn't really spread all that well on the crusty bread. But you should try the real Bandon butter. It spreads straight from the fridge and it's so creamy, says Mary Jane. Really? Real butter that spreads straight from the fridge? Wow, that's a winner. Uh, well, we were talking yesterday about different, um, you know, industries and different businesses that are still closed. Um, somebody mentioned another forgotten group, parent and toddler groups. Toddler groups are a vital service for parents and their children to meet up for children's development and overall well-being still closed. Loads on the hurling on Sunday. Brilliant stuff from Cork's Lord Mayor. Super build-up stuff. Keep it going. We had the Mayor of Limerick on as well this morning, so thank you. We're desperate for tickets. I go to all the games, including league games, challenge games in the winter. We're all in the same boat looking for tickets. If you get one, count me in. <laughs> Happy to read out the text, but there isn't a prayer. Apparently, Callum O'Callaghan is four years old from Douglas. Is still buzzing from being in Croke Park for the semi-final. And he can't wait to watch the lads on TV next Sunday. Up the rebels, they say. And some checkouts. Check out the window in the Model Farm Road post office. It's hand-painted in the Cork Crest. Very impressive bunting all round. Rebels Abu. Morning. The businesses and factories should get behind the Cork team. Fly the flags. If it was Kilkenny in the final, the entire county would be washed with the black and amber. Okay, well, we're encouraging people to do more and more. Remember, we have all those giveaways to give away every day this week courtesy of ourselves and Twilight News we're talking about balloons 50 feet of bunting and lots and lots of cork flags 10 prizes in total so that would be uh, 50 feet of bunting car flags and two balloon displays and can I just remind you again you're listening out for this cue to call just before well sometime between midday around about 10 to midday we'll open the phone lines callers 10 and 11 win two packs from ourselves and Twilight News don't call just yet but this is the cue to call on the banks of my own lovely league. we shouldn't feel so bad Neil Mayo have the flags and bunting they take it out every year but no Sam the poor old craters the flag go into the the flags go into the press every year and they come out for a little while in August uh, one or two more. There's a guy on the Balancholic Main Street outside Crowley's Optician selling bunting, large flags, car flags and all the bits. I stopped up yesterday. Uh, buy red and white material and get the sewing machine out. McCroom Marts is a sea of red and white. Well done to all. There are cars selling flags up the north side by Lidl and Churchfield and the Apple Green and Holly Hill. Super Value and Toker have flags on a stick. They have plenty of them. Only 12 euro. It's enough. It's enough. For a flag, isn't it? 12 euro. Um, I think the car shop out in Douglas Court is selling them for, for six. Um, shop around. You wouldn't think we were in an All-Ireland final, would you? You have the Queen gawking out at you from the English market in Limerick colours. Put red over her, for God's sake. Yeah, I think the, it's the Queen in kind of an off shade of green, I think. Um, it was 2005, not 2006, when Cork last won. Mr. Lord Mayor with your free, free tickets for the game. <laughs> Happy to correct that. Uh, and lots more besides. Some text then um, on issues coming out of Afghanistan. One in particular says, People in Ireland have an obsession with the future of women in Afghanistan. Women are being oppressed daily in Muslim countries worldwide. And only now it's an issue. 
Maybe Ireland should send their own planes to Afghanistan and bring those in danger to Ireland. That should solve it. You do know that Ireland has soldiers and Gardaí in Afghanistan. They use translators and Afghani nationals. So what's Ireland doing to protect these people? Well, I do know that we're taking 150 refugees. It's a tiny amount, I know. And there are 33 Irish people who are looking to get out and be and to be expatriated out. If that's the right term, I suppose, repatriated out of Afghanistan, they say 33. CNN said seven women had committed suicide after they were told to get out of universities. Did you also see the men falling from the undercarriage of the plane? Yes, I did. I did see it, and very disturbing it is too. And another one here. Most daily newspapers and all radio stations are leading in their news with the saga in Afghanistan. Texter says here, why? Three-letter word, why? Um, let me put that point, actually, as to Why? Uh, to uh, Samim in a minute, who's originally from Kabul but living in Cork for 14 years. But just ahead of that, Graham Clifford from. Um, uh, don't you don't you work with the homeless, Graham? I think don't you? You do uh, you do things like that from time to time. Am I right? Uh, the sanctuary runners, uh, Neil. So uh, we use running, jogging, and walking to bring together asylum seekers and refugees. Good man. We, spo- we yeah. spoke about that before. Interesting right. text. Why are all newspapers on their front pages and radio talking about the saga in Afghanistan, somebody asked. How would you answer something like that? It's more than just a story for Afghanistan or that part of the world, clearly, because of the international force that would have gone there, the fact that they've pulled out of there, and the fact that there is a humanitarian crisis. I mean, when Ireland was in crisis over the years, be it through famine or war, I'm sure we would have expected those abroad to, and we tried to get the message out about what was happening here. So I think it's a bit simplistic to, to say that. It's a huge humanitarian crisis. It's very disabling for that region, very disabling for the world, and it will affect us all. And, it, and, and we need as individuals and as societies to be awake to the needs of the people of, of Afghanistan and to do what we can to assist. But in your text, you also wanted to hone in on the Afghani population that live here in Cork. Mm. You call them sound, witty, decent people. Yeah. So we, we started the Sanctuary Runners in uh, January uh, 2018. We have about 4,000 members across the country now. But Cork is the main you know, uh, place where we started and where we're most vibrant. And even from the very start, I remember there was one particular young uh, Afghan guy who uh, has been with us since. Um, and through him, then others have joined and so on. I mean, I can't speak highly enough of these guys. These are lads who, when they have the opportunity to work, to earn, to pay tax, to contribute, they do it. They work during the pandemic in cafes and factories and pizzerias. They're decent, sound, really lovely guys. My, my father died last year, and one of the first people to contact me to you know, give his condolences and say, do you need anything, was one of, one of the lads. Mm. I mean, it's 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 really important that people understand that and that they inform themselves that they don't jump on, you know, a fear mongering populist narrative that, you know, within our community. I, I was looking last night Neil, and um, I think there's, there's there's well over a dozen Afghan families and there's lots of individuals as well who would be living and contributing in Cork and who are now absolutely, you know, aghast by what's happening to to to, uh, to their families and in regions at home and, and worried about what's to come. 
Yeah, you you actually um, singled out one dear friend of yours who said who will be delivering pizzas of Cork City tonight. Yeah. Pepperoni and buffalo pizzas and margarita pizzas. Because that's yeah. what he does for a living. He probably works oh. for delivery or somebody like that, is it? No, I, I don't think it's, it's, it's those okay. guys, but one of the pizzerias in the city. But yeah, but, yeah I well, think he's not even, he's, he's in his 20s, is he? Yeah, yeah. And, and somebody who is, you know, he's not only sound and decent in all the things I said, but he's very conscious of the need to uh, contribute to society, to have Irish friends. You know, we were talking about the All Ireland the other week, even. You know what I mean? So, mm, mm. Uh, and how are his family? I mean, he's, he's clearly worried. Are they in Kabul? Yeah, they're, they're not from Kabul originally, but uh, in previous years, because of the Taliban, they would have had to move into Kabul, but they don't have a home in Kabul. Um, and they're, yeah, they're now in that situation, like so many others, of not knowing what happens next, and he's in a situation where he doesn't know what he can do either. So they're sheltering in their home. Or in another's home, yeah, exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. And he's in contact with them, worried and... In contact with oh, him regularly. I think, well, you know, you know, he, he used he used a phrase the other the other day to describe, you know, what he sees, what he, what he knows from when he was younger, and his family know, you know, and he just said, you know, these people are like wild animals. They were the words that he used in reference to the Taliban. So it's really important that people understand the desperation of people in Afghanistan to to be safe. It is the most natural. Uh, you know, uh, thing that we all want for ourselves and for our loved ones, um, and it's it's horrifying. To, it's horrifying. To I mean, we wouldn't tolerate the treatment of women and young girls here like that. It just would not be accepted. It, it just would not happen. It's so off the charts. You know, though. I suppose. I, I suppose. I mean, the unique thing about this situation, though, is that the fear that people have probably stops them from doing. Uh, doing things to, 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 to you know, if, if somebody said, well, if you get involved, you get a bullet in your head and so does your child. What do you do? Yeah. And this fear, it's, and it grows and it grows and it grows and you are frozen. I mean, we remember, you remember, I remember stadiums in Kabul where people were, were executed, you know, and that's the, the Taliban works because of fear, you know, I mean, numbers wise, potentially they could be overtaken, but because of the ruthlessness you know, that that's so powerful. And yeah. I think, you know, we, we, we try to understand it here, but I fear that we don't. And we try to, to make logical arguments for, you know, the movement of people and refugees and how many should we take and blah, blah, blah. But we don't necessarily, we've never lived through that fear. Yeah, yeah, good man. Um, well and then you get people pontificating about, you know, concerns about, you know, about the movement of people and why check, they checks and, and balances as to who are allowing into the country, kind of thing, is it? With, and, and totally ill-informed, totally ill-informed. Like the migration from any country is mainly young men, and there are logical reasons for that. But but it, it was it, I know that, but it was proven that there were ISIS cells working out of Ireland back in the day. But I think, oh, listen, I I think you have an inevitability. We're all mature, clever adults. We know that not every. Afghan refugee is going to be a saint like my mates. You know what I mean? Yeah. In the same way that, you know, should the UK have stopped Irish people coming yeah. there in the 70s, 80s, 90s because there was IRA sympathizers? Should we stop people from the US coming because some are Donald Trump supporting right wing terrorists? Yeah. You know, we have to be mature. Of yeah. course, it's not all rosy, but surely it's more important 
that we acknowledge the world's imperfect, but, but we can't lack compassion. I said, let me talk. Thank you for that, Graham, as always, and continued success with the great work you do. Samim is originally from Kabul, but has been living here for over 14 years now. Samim, good morning. Uh, hello, Neil. Good morning. How are you, Pat? Do you know Bilal? I was talking at a powerful conversation with Bilal, a fellow, Af- fellow Afghani of yours on the program on Monday. Um, do you know him, Bilal Jalil? I, uh, I, I may know him by face, but I, I, I don't know okay. him by, by name. Okay, well, he's here quite a long time. He's got a business in the city. He was telling me that 18 of his family and friends died in explosions. His mother and his brother and his cousins were all gravely injured. They're all in hospital. In fact, he's on the news now again saying that um, he wants to bring his family to Ireland from Afghanistan. Yeah, I, uh, I should have known uh, uh, him if, if he's in Cork City. But uh, Bilal, I, I know one Bilal from a long time ago. He lives in Limerick. Bilal is a bit like the word, the name John, is it? Or Mike or Peter? It's a common enough uh, yeah, name. Something, yeah, something like this. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, anyway, just tell me about your own situation because I believe you were in Kabul recently because your mam passed away. Is that right? Uh, that's correct. Yes, I went in end of uh, June uh, because of mom, because my mom was sick and here she was in hospital and she passed away in, on first uh, of July. Sorry to hear uh, that. Was, Heartbreaking I, I for you. I was there for July and I came back uh, in end of July and came back. Can I just say, Afghanistan is a stunningly beautiful, beautiful country. Um, I know you'd agree with that. It, it, it's a country that we all would want to visit, isn't it? Beautiful scenery, gorgeous countryside, lovely people. To, uh, Neil, to be honest, uh, I was very young when I left my country, but I, I, I went back and I came back so uh, and came out back. Uh, I, I love my country. I love the land where I was born. I, I always miss the land where I was born. We, we have a very rich land. Uh, this uh, the, the the beauty the the things what we have the four season uh, what we feel it um, all the time uh, this is the, the the thing that I always get upset why this land can't get up you know, on on its own feet and why can't it is it because it's so split that it's so vast it's so with split. different people and different beliefs and exactly. different types so of religious backgrounds is it. Exactly. So there are many different backgrounds, but the four main uh, backgrounds, they are uh, mainly the, uh, from uh, all over the the, uh, the country. Mostly uh, me, me, it is like Middle East, one, what, one ethnic, South, North, this, this, is, And the Taliban is 100% from one ethnic. And that's why the people don't accept that, the rule. And the, the, the connection that they have with the terrorist group, and they, they, we all know they, they, they have been, they, they, they were uh, um, uh, a terrorist group. That is the fear that people are afraid of, uh, of, of, of the pain of the, the Taliban and, and the rule that they have. And, uh, and, and we know ourselves, we know the, uh, the Taliban, who they are. Maybe they are, they are on the news, they are different. Maybe they are saying different things to just get a bit trust of the world. Um, uh, but uh, we know ourselves, we know exactly what is going on there and uh, what, what happened and, uh, and this and that and who is behind this. Okay. We, we all know this. Yes. Okay, so you're referring yesterday to the press conference given by the Taliban where they were kind of trying to calm things down. They were saying things that women will be respected, women will be allowed to work, young girls will be allowed to go to school and university. These are the things that we're saying. The European Union this morning has said worse to the effect that the Taliban have won the war we're going to have to recognize them and work with them. What do you make of that? 
Yeah, Neil, they, they, they are saying this on the news, yes. Okay, girls, women, or child, or children, they go to school. We, we, we don't know what type of school and what they, are, what they will be teaching in there. So they have been in, 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 in the, uh, their, their own schools in Pakistan, and they trained there. They, they all came out as a tourist. So they, do they want our children to be like this? And, and their schools under their rules? So did they say anything about their rules? They said religious rules. The religious rules, what they want. And what would that be? Because some of their beliefs, of course, include, uh, and they do this, beheadings, amputations, and whipping. Okay. They, the, 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 the child, when they take them to school uh, and, and, and Pakistani schools that the, the Taliban trained, if they bring them in Kabul so, uh, and, and, and Afghanistan, uh, the same schools, they will uh, they they will give them a weapon and they say this is our bo- uh, uh, book and and another hand they will give them uh, our um, uh, Quran book uh, Muslims book they will give them they say this is our book we follow this and we do jihad against the other uh, humans they will start teaching this there is a lot of millions of videos about this so they will teaching this, this things to our children this is the fear that people fear of this. And no one guarantee, no any country guarantee if they don't do this. Well, that's the infidel for everybody outside of their religion, they would say. But what are, why do they do it to their own? I mean, I referenced the different punishments that they impose upon people. Yeah, I, I, I believe, uh, my, my own belief, uh, they, they, they saw the power in religion. They, they used the power of religion on, on the poor people. And the poor people, uh, they don't have any way, they a choice. On, uh, or, uh, they, or, or they, they should have been killed, or they should follow their the, the rules. So they, they use their religion in a, in a bad way, and uh, they don't have their own equipment um, uh, so, or facilities. They use their uh, religion facilities, and that is the power uh, to rule the country. And, and they, they, they say that they, they, uh, this is right, and this is our uh, faith, and this is our uh, book. And we follow only this. Doesn't say much about the Afghani army, though. Does it? Was it full of corruption, or was it fear, or did they oh, just not have the will to fight? No. The, 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 this is my pain, to be honest. When I uh, <clears throat> when I spoke with my um, uh, uh, people uh, when they were uh, when I was there, or when I have still uh, some connection with them when they were in army. My, my 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 grandfather. Let's say my grandfather. Not, I'm sorry, my, not my grandfather. My my father-in-law. He served in in the army for 39 years, and he has a, a lot of certificates from. He was when he was very young, uh, and uh, just uh, the, a few years ago, um, uh, the the government had a rule: who was 55 in the army, they just need to go home. So and without any money, without anything, they just let them off to from the work. So this happened to our army, this situation, and they they, they lead them off. So there there was no any leadership in in our army, uh, but the soldier they had a very faith for for their country. But the leadership was corrupt. Corrupt leaders, leaders corrupt commanders, yeah. wasn't it? Corrupt yeah. commanders. Corrupt commanders. That the the most of them and the advisors. Lots of money from America, you see. <laughs> exactly. So, so the the, the policy the, uh, or the 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 leadership what America brought in the government, what we had the corrupt government. Yeah. It was so we believe it was American government. But why should the rest of the world? 
Why should the rest of the world care was what that text was saying to me earlier. Why should we care? Why is it any of our business? Like the Americans have said, it's none of their business, for instance. So what was it? It was their business in 2001, and, yeah. and it is not their business now. Yes, yeah. and and that time no one asked them to come to Afghanistan, but just they went and they attacked Afghanistan, and they took the responsibility. Okay, they were looking for Osama bin Laden. They said. Osama bin Laden. What happened? There is no any news about this. So they just they said we killed him, but the, uh, no no one is sure. So they killed him, let's say they killed him. But what about the, uh, the most of the other uh, uh, terrorist groups that they are there? So they are the same, the same as... Uh, uh, the, Do you think that Afghanistan then will harbor terrorists again, like Al-Qaeda, like ISIS mm. or ISIL? Or do you think they'll start trading in, 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 in heroin and cocaine again? Definitely, definitely, the, the Afghanistan will be a terrorist state soon if it rules by Taliban. Definitely, it was. It, it will be a state of terrorists. They are looking for a place in the world to gather them and to bring them. And there's a lot of competition in, in that region. Let's say China, India, Pakistan, Iran, Saudis, Russia, and America. And they all they are looking for a place to 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 um, to play there. Uh, it, 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 it's a chessboard. Them. I know. And are you are, are people there very angry that America and to a lesser extent the United Kingdom have pulled out and just literally closed up shop? Yes. Yeah, the way how they pulled out, we are angry. And the way how they deal with the people, we are angry. So and uh, I am a tenant in this house. If I destroy this house and 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 and, 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 and don't say anything to the landlord, okay, I, I'm I'm leaving. When the landlord come and see, oh, the, his house is destroyed. So it was not our agreement. Uh, mm, I know what you mean. It's a good comparison. So what yeah. will happen to, to this? I am a tenant here fourteen years and and look after the house where I, where I am living at the moment. But if I leave this house with the dirt, what will happen to the landlord? But what about and what about your family in Kabul? Are you very worried for them? I am worried about my two sisters and their children. I worried about my nephew and nieces, yes. And they are uh, very uh, educated and they are in the middle of their education and they are very young and and uh, uh, this happened and they are at home at the moment. And uh, and my nieces, they, they were crying. They are very young. They are age 14 to 2024. Because they're kind of the age where we hear of the stories of them being taken away for child brides and sex slaves for the army, for the Taliban, I mean. Oh, this is... Okay, they, they put this exact... Uh, and, and, um, is that and true? That, that is true, of course, that is true, yes. This is true, and they, they said... We we do this. Uh, our prophet do this. Uh, did this and this and this and so many things. They they, they have a lot of words uh, from. Uh, they, they translate the, the religion in their own way, and this is this our way. We have to do this. Uh, so okay. no no one can say anything. Okay, awful video footage coming out of Kabul, isn't it? People falling from airplanes. You see the, the the desperation of people. What what happened? This is all the fear. So uh, sometimes we we. Um, Maybe people blame people, those people that they are uncivilized people, or maybe they are ignorant people. I I, I understand we are ignorant. We are we are from a very deep, um, poor country. That doesn't make you ignorant. Uh, so, uh, but we, when we say we are, we we have no hope. We are, they are just looking for a, a lottery, like. 
to uh, to 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 gamble their life to to uh, get out of there. Yes, I know, I know. But your main message is, regardless of what you hear from the Taliban, don't believe them. Is it? Oh, not not at all. Even if they say million of swearing to their book, this 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 happened. So what? For the last twenty years, they killed our seventy five thousand soldiers. They killed more than 300,000 civilians. 300,000 men, women and children. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, more than this. And, and, and see, this is all died. But what about their family? What about the wounded people? What about the, the, the disabled people that they left? So uh, we, we saw the attack that they, they, they have done in, the, in, in Kabul recently. This is a few, maybe a few months or maybe a, recently a year ago. The child, when 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 was just a few hours old, uh, they they killed them and they shot the child. So is that is that is that true? That is true. So millions of videos. So we I have everything from the from that uh, suiciders from the Taliban. And and uh, yeah, and east of Kabul. It was in east east of. Why would somebody do that? In what name would they shoot a child? Okay, because of the ethnic, they, they are not their ethnicity. I see, I see. They are not in their religion. They are, let's say, they are, we, we have four different ethnic, ethnics there. And if you are not one of them, so you will be killed. It doesn't matter you're black, white, you're short or tall, whatever. And, what, and just finally, what's it like being here when all of this is happening in your beloved country? Are you happy to be here or you, do you wish to be helping back home? I had no choice when I left. So I was thinking, I was in Iran for some time and then went back to Afghanistan. I had to go there and I stayed there. When I saw the situation, I couldn't. And, uh, and I, I, I was just a few months old when, my, when, when I lost my father. So my father was involved a little in politics and the family that we had background. So we have, I, I feel that I'm not safe and I left. Uh, so Did he die of natural causes, your dad? No, no, no. So they killed them and they disappeared them in, Syria, in Soviet times. In the Soviet times that had been back yes. in the 90s, your exactly. dad yes. just... So my, my, my dad was a teacher, but he was uh, in against the Soviet occupation, uh, yes, uh, invasion. And, was he Mujahideen? No, 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 not that he was against Mujahideen as well. He was a very democratic person and he was against uh, the people who want to come with arms in our country. He was against the fighting. He was organizing protests in Kabul and he was one of the leaders in Kabul that to, to, to organize the pro- uh, protests in Kabul in, in, in let's say, in, in 80s. And what happened yes. to him? So they, they jailed him for one month, and after one month he disappeared. And when uh, I, when I asked my, my my mother, and they said we went two times to jail to see him, he, he, they they, <clears throat> they uh, punished him very badly. They took out his nails from the, his feet and from his hands, and they punished him ba- badly. And after a few uh, after one month he disappeared from the jail, and then after just. Uh, a few years ago, we found so uh, uh, we found the list of two thousand, uh, twelve, uh, five thousand people that my father's name was in that as well that they they killed him. You don't know where he died or where he's buried. No, so they and and that time they they and that time they were kill, uh, uh, they were killing people and they were put them <coughs> all together in one grave, maybe hundred, two hundred, fifty in, in one grave. Because he was preaching peace. So, yes. 
And who killed him? Uh, hmm, uh, it was the communist regime. The what? The communist regime. The regime. communist regime. The communist regime. Under the Russians. Under the Russian. Okay, yes. Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, that's a, that's an awful, awfully tragic story to share about your dad. Uh, yeah, yes. So this is this is uh, um, this is a life there. So every family they owned it, and the one of their family, uh, a member of their family, disappeared or killed by some any. Um, I don't say Mujahideen is good. I, I I can't say that because they are not good. I can't say Taliban is the worst one. Uh, communist regime. They were very bad for the beginning, and then after some times, they um, they become uh, a bit good, and they let a little bit uh, uh, give freedom to people and to media and, and the, all those things. And the people who lost their loved ones, like your dad, is there any kind of uh, campaign to find out where the mass grave is? They, they, they found the mass graves. If you just search in Google, they, they, so many of them come out. Have you pinpointed your dad's one? Yes, uh, so we we can, but we can't find. We, we just uh, the their bones left. We can't recognize who they are. Oh my God, that's so tragic. It's so tragic to lose your mother recently, your dad, under those circumstances. Yeah. So everybody has a story, don't they, Samim? Oh yes, yes. This is this is uh, this is our back home a story with a, a country with a. Um, it, 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 the love the 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 public people they they are very lovely and they have no any problem with each other. But the, all the things is our leader, our leadership. All our leadership are sold to others to their own uh, suppliers. They, they 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 are supplied with the different countries and the different countries they have their own interest in there. They they play their own chess game. Um, and you're so, the pawn, uh, and the people are the and, pawns, and, and, and we are the victim of, yeah. of, of that. Uh, so we are just a normal soldier. We are just a normal soldier. The people go there for uh, to, to 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 find a food. They, they they join army or they join Taliban or they join Mujahideen just for for food. Maybe. I know, I know. Listen, thank you so much for sharing your story. Um, difficult as all it must have been for you, harrowing listening. But thank you so much. Look after yourself, Samim. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Neil. Thank Cheers you so for now. much. Take thank care. Text 0868-104-106. Back after the break. Hey, it's Kira. Tune in to Saturday Breakfast on Red FM from 7 a.m. and wake up your weekend with music, chats, and all that's happening in Cork. That's Saturday Breakfast on Red FM with me, Kira Revens. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 1851-04-106. Red FM. Yes, indeed. Lines open at 1850-104-106. Big congratulations to Daryl O'Neill who passed his driving test yesterday. The relief that I don't have to spend every evening driving around Sarsfield Road roundabout and the Wilton roundabout is absolutely immense. With lots of love from his mum, Aideen, and his girlfriend, Eve. So, Mammy's no longer chauffeuring you around, Dara. Congratulations and well done. Lots then on travel to and from uh, Ireland and what have you. Interestingly, could you uh, please let people know, I'm just home from Spain with COVID and fully vaccinated. Don't know what you mean by with COVID and fully vaccinated. I hope you mean with the cert. Anyway, the locator form and COVID test or PCR test is a must in Spain, they will look for them. And don't be over in luggage, even by a kg, as they will charge you for it. They're looking to make money in Spain now. You need to have your ducks in a row. You said here, I'm just home from Spain with COVID and fully vaccinated. 
if I'm to read that, as you say it, you're fully vaccinated, but got COVID-19 in Spain, as as can happen, of course, even if you're fully vaccinated. And you see, that's the worry with regards to travel or 40,000 people at Croke Park. Um, and then somebody said, you only need a rapid antigen test for Spain. You don't need a COVID cert uh, nor do you need it to dine indoors. Um, you are right there. The only thing that I found when I was doing research into this is that uh, I believe that not every clinic does rapid antigen tests. Like Randox, for instance, I think only do PCR tests. They're 69 euro. But a PCR test will do you because that has a that has a, a QR code on it if you don't have the COVID cert. I hope I'm making myself clear there. And my daughter's in Spain, took a COVID test in preparation for her return home. Unfortunately, she tested positive and is now stuck out there as she isn't allowed to board the plane. Don't know what to do. Does she, does she have to wait 10 days before she can fly now? No one seems to know. Well, if the same situation exists in Spain, she can get a retest, I think, after the fifth day, is it? Um, and then maybe um, see how things work out then. But don't think they'd let you fly on the, unless you do that, at least. Uh, the NHS in Northern Ireland last week gave every nurse a £1,500 bonus in their wages to say thank you for their efforts during the pandemic. Did they really give that much money? Our government last week gave developers £500 million to encourage them to build houses. And our nurses, after all the talk and promises, have got absolutely nothing. Um, your derogatory comment about people at bus stations just looking down at their phone. Well, sometimes, you know, we are looking at our phones checking the bus app to see what time the next bus is due, says Sharon. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Uh, and then lots then on uh, the food that we feed our children uh, and uh, kids' menus and what have you. Um, speaking as a chef, I know that if you put a good children's menu on, the next time the family is going out to eat, the children will want to go back to your restaurant. Years ago, I was in a restaurant in Belfast uh, working. This is Desi the chef. And he says, while I was at the, at the till on the way out of the restaurant, They had a tall blue and white pink laundry basket, each one full of boys and girls' little toys wrapped in gift paper. When you paid the bills, the kids got to pick a surprise. That restaurant was packed every single day. Uh, Parents will take their kids where the kids are most happy. Look after the kids and the adults will follow, says Desi. Good point, well made. I suppose that's probably like the, the Scoozies model, isn't it? Isn't that what Scoozies do? All the family loves Scoozies from the smallies right up. It's probably added to the fact that the food is terrific as well. So anyway, come what may uh, on Sunday, we are Cork and we are back. That's the message. And I'm getting loads of photographs from people's homes, the Gable Lenza homes, windows, buildings, all sorts of stuff like that. Brilliant one. Even people hand knitting red and white scarves and mittens and little woolly hats and everything for the rebels. So people making huge, huge effort. Barry Roach wrote a beautiful piece, a fabulous piece on his love of hurling uh, for the Irish Times, Southern correspondent with the Irish Times. In fact, he's um, the father of the scribes on Lee side. Do you like that one, Barry? Father of the scribes. Hang on a second. Make a set myself together. Can you hear me now? Morning to you. Are you there? How are you, how you doing, Neil? things? Good term, isn't it? Father of the scribes on Lee side. Beautiful, beautiful piece going way back generations in the family, your love of hurling, right? Yeah, it was a very unusual piece for me to write. I don't normally write personal pieces like this, and I generally keep myself out of, well, writing news stories. There's no room for sort of personal opinion, but even in colour, I tend to keep myself out of it. So it was a bit of a, a change or a departure for me. Um, the day after Cork, beat Kilkenny I got a text from our sports editor Maliki Logan saying something along the lines you lot are back in a final will you do a piece and I was sort of humming and hawing about it and uh, 
he said he, they didn't want to do stuff on you know guys painting cars and that sort of stuff he wanted something different so I hummed and hawed and over the week or following day I rang him back and he sort of twisted my arm so I wrote it yeah and so it worked out well and getting a getting good response and because it, for you know. it all goes back to the dream teams of the 70s doesn't it and and uh, your dad Paddy's love of hurling wasn't it uh, yeah it was an inherited thing really because um, I'd grown up uh, in the 70s, I suppose, the 1970s, the first All-Ireland, I can remember when Cork beat Wexford and Eddie O'Brien from Passage West uh, scored a hat-trick of goals, including one which was a palm over his head, which was permissible at the time. You can't score a palm goal, no. <laughs> but um, that was started. And then, of course, um, two years later then, there was a heartbreak of the lesson that every Cork fan needs to learn, that beware of Kilkenny, beware of straighty men, because Cork were... Um, eight points up with 13 minutes to go and Kilkenny won by seven so that was a lesson we learned I often wonder how people can remember scores like that off the top of their head match Uh, after match after match well there's some stand out Eddie O'Brien's one did and the Kilkenny one was I was 10 and I was gutted I really was like it was just this was I don't know I mean I'd say if I was Tony Soprano I'd be going to therapy about it (laughs) um, and they were the days as well when there wasn't the premiership I mean you had the first division but there was no television of matches. No television. Soccer, and yeah. um, I mean, my father would have followed soccer and rugby as well. Known, he, he was from Darling Street and he used to go down to, um, there was a spot up there in Shannon Keel. We have a great view over the Mardyke. Now, you can't see the J pitch, but you can see the soccer and rugby pitch. And they used to go down there, as, I suppose, in the 30s and the 40s and watch games free. And, of course, they avoided the ban. But um, The ban so, was, tell, for those that don't remember the ban, yeah, the, the GA ban imposed was, a ban. If you played GA, you couldn't go to soccer and rugby foreign games. And it lasted up until the 70s. And, of course, actually, <laughs> we're, we're, we're playing Limerick. I should mention this. I mean, in Limerick, uh, Mick Mackey was God. He was the greatest horror that Limerick, Limerick ever produced. But Limerick is a great rugby city and he used to go to rugby matches. But of course, the Limerick County Board couldn't ban him because he was such a larger than life figure. So what was their solution? They appointed him as a delegate to go to rugby matches to spy on what Jason's were there. <laughs> so he could see them. Talk about an Irish solution to an Irish problem. The ban was an incredible thing. It was draconian, yeah. wasn't it? If you followed follow GAA, what would happen if you went to a, a oh, Hibs match? The fellas were banned from playing GAA because they played soccer and they played um, rugby or they went to those games. I mean, it was, it, you know, when you look back in it, uh, I mean, I don't remember it now because uh, but was, I'd say the ban went in the early 70s, probably somebody, the listeners might correct me now on that. Yeah. But prior to that, right through the 50s and the 40s and 50s and 60s. But no, my love of hurling would come from him and he was, as I said, bowl playing and, and boxing and hurling were the ones and hurling in particular and he grew up in an era when Cork obviously were a serious force in the 40s and 50s and Christy Ring was God. Yeah, but that. just before I get to Christy Ring, he was born and bred in a place called Pokertown on Blar- yeah. Where's Pokertown, Blarney Street? Pokertown is the very top of Blarney Street from Strawberry Hill up to the Calvary and the reason it was called Pokertown it was more a, a nickname rather than an actual address. I don't know if um, air code was it, you know. <laughs> but um, there was a slaughterhouse up there, which I think was uh, they slaughtered pigs, and I presume pokers were involved in it, um, in the slaughtering of the animals. So it was known as Pokerton. So you go up Strawberry Hill, swing left, and uh, he was the second house there on the corner uh, John Buckley Sports had it for a while I, I'm not sure if and he played with Vincent's I think did he he played with Vincent's would have been the club no he was never never spoke much about his own hurling but he he spoke like he was a decent boxer by all accounts and could look after himself uh, but he admired Glen Rovers clearly because of ringing oh, well, but every, everybody I think every young fellow in the North said at that stage the Glen were the senior club Piercings would have been formed later I suppose maybe in the late 40s but the Glen and Chris Thiering and Jack Lynch and the Glen had uh, I think I might be date, wrong my date but they won eight counties in a row from 
ring but just idolised him and the echo back in the 70s well the series Tim Horgan who wrote a book in Cork Hurling had a series in Cork all Ireland and he used to cut those out every whatever night it came out the echo and I had a scrapbook and the early ones were Al Bullock winning in 1890 and uh, James oh, Keller and the uh, Cork um, with Uli Collin and Sean O'Murphy in the 20s and 30s but it was in 40s were the ones that really came alive because my father knew the team and he could tell you and you could point out Sean Condon from the Bars and Alan Lottie from Sars and uh, uh, Jim Young from the Glen and that and that really brought it alive and then of course Cork won four in a row uh, then they won 46 and then they faded for a while and then came back in the 50s and Ring was still the centrepiece and didn't you meet Ring with your dad at Fitzgerald's electoral shop in 73 or something was yeah, it yeah I was I was 11 and he brought me in to meet Ring and um, I mean my, my father was a tall man he was almost like he was virtually 6 foot but he was looking up out there I still don't know but he was looking up at Ring and he sort of turned to me and he turned his thumb towards Ring and he said this fella he scored three goals against Limerick in 10 minutes and he was just in awe and then he remembered like Ring was going for nine, nine All-Irelands and uh, he was shot right at the end of the 56 final against Wexford Art Ford he made this incredible save and Wexford won but the Wexford players shouldered Ring off and he remembered that so he it really did. really um, like Ring was and it's not Eamon Murphy in the Echo wrote a really lovely piece about six months ago about his grandfather who would have been I reckon I think he's 92 or 93 so he'd have been he'd, a contemporaneous my father and again that sense of near worship of Ring came through in it you know and so, he worked, he worked with Ring on, on the shell working uh, shell, uh, Ring delivered oil for Shell I he think. did yeah big lorry uh, but you're, yeah. so much so was your dad's admiration for Ring that he cried at the kitchen table when he heard that Ringy had yeah. died yeah, and because uh, I'd seen him cry once before when his own father, my grandfather, died in '73, and I was whatever I was, eleven then, but I was seventeen, and uh, grown men didn't cry, <laughs> and it was such a, a shock to me, and I didn't know how to react. Really, I was awkward and unsure about it, and I look back, maybe I should have sort of said something or been demonstrative. But uh, you know that scene in the general where uh, Sean McGinley says to Martin Kyle at some stage, somebody's dead, and he said, "Jesus, stop up, we're not Italians," you know. <laughs> Nineteen seventy nine. That was, in fact, Olivia Kelleher, another Cork journalist. Her dad, Johnny oh, dad, Kelleher, Johnny was Chris the, the man who broke the news to him. And it was only years later I discovered that with Olivia. My father would have probably known Johnny Chris because he was Blarney Street as well as, as far as as far as I know. And he was an, he sold the Examiner. He was a great runner in between now cars. And didn't didn't um, didn't Jack Lynch's car he was coming down at the time. Um, coming down uh, Lord Lamar Road at the Coliseum corner? That's where Johnny Olivia's dad told um, Jack Lynch that. Christy Ring was dead. And I mean, Christy Ring was only 58. Like, yeah. And I, I suspect for everybody that generation, like he was, he was invincible, you know, and suddenly the, he was gone and gone quite young. The sort of thing I equated with in some respects was Rory Gunner later for another generation of Corkonians. He was just such a constant all the way through the 60s and mm. 70s. Mm. Like, and for a generation of people younger, obviously, than my father, who were into music, he was there and musical fads would come and go, disco and whatever, but Rory was always doing his thing, playing the blues, you know. It's a beautiful so, piece. It really and truly uh, is. Um, yeah. you know, when, so, uh, when you look back, though, is there, do, you, do you have your own dream team in your head? Well, I think in the 70s, I mean, there were teams that grew up with... with the Not the double in 90 with Teddy McCarthy, Kevin Ah, yeah, Hennessey. well, that came later. But, I mean, when I was a teenager, I mean, John Horgan, Dennis Collin, Charlie and Gerald, Ray Cummins, who <laughs> changed foot forward play completely, uh, Mick Malone, Sonny Leary, like, they were the guys. And um, what was interesting was when I started reporting, I used to do a lot of sport, and John Horgan, who was the editor, sports editor of the Echo, he, he retired this year, lovely man. John was very good to me. He gave me a chance to do these features. 
teachers and I went out and I met so many of these fellas and I did long really work well sorry ones that you could actually get into maybe yeah. 2,000 work pieces so I met them and I meet, uh, meet them around town now still uh, you know you'd meet them and they're the most for fellas who could you know they've all earned medals jangling in their pockets they're the most <laughs> humble modest <laughs> unassuming men like you know I mean, they walk amongst us four or five Ray Cummins Dennis Collin has a football medal into it Jimmy Barry um, and they're very unassuming guys and uh, they're like they're my heroes but then I suppose you come to 1990 and they're guys playing around my own age and I got to I was doing a lot of sport then so I got to know Tomas Mull and things like that and there's a story in the piece and I, I had to check I, um, as I say uh, I started my father was passionate about Cork he, he would be quite generous towards other counties um, talking about hurling but once the minute the slit was thrown in and Cork were playing <laughs> no argument like I started saying he think, think Roy and Raj rolled together and that was it he was completely unapologetically pro-Cork and the one that really stands out where was most sort of uh, evident to me was uh, it was 87 and Cork were playing tape. Now, I couldn't be sure of who the player was and I had to ring Dr. Con Murphy uh, and was it Shawnee Leary and I rang Shawnee and said, no, it wasn't him. And then I knew it was Tony Sull. So I rang Tony Sull late Thursday night and he said that was me. There was a goal disallowed. Tony Sull had a goal disallowed and the referee blew it back, square ball and my father went ballistic. <laughs> completely, completely outraged. How could this happen? Was the referee blind? What was the umpire doing? And he was doing all this. <laughs> listening to it on the radio back in Cork oh you my know, god that level of insist like of Cork fervour so these sort of things stand out and then a year later he, he died tragically so he never saw the double and he never saw Teddy Mack win both in the field of play and Dennis Walsh uh, one on the hurling pitch and the football as a sub and then but he did as I say the Glenn and Tomás Mull got goals yeah. in the hurling final and John Gibbon and then I mean if you look today Pat Horgan he would I think he would be in awe of him as well as a great oh absolutely and, and he'd be looking down shouting and giving his top yeah. and words on Sunday yeah. do you just it's beautiful piece Barry well done uh, do you have a ticket? I'm on I'm still hoping I'm, I haven't given up yet it's 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 difficult at the best time it's over 40,000 as opposed to 80,000 Um it's obviously like they're really scarce but the pattern tends to be sort of from about Thursday on they come back to other counties so <laughs> fingers crossed between now and Thursday wins is it yeah so hopeful but you know the eternal uh, optimist I'm an optimist but uh, right. I, I do think Limerick are favourites and rightly so they're a serious outfit I mean they're middle they're half back uh, would you go away half are great but you know Corkin's a good place we've under 20s have won last year's title this year they're fingers in the final of this year's title Tonight, tonight, and then the miners are playing Saturday. So even if we mightn't, even if we don't win on Sunday, I'm still hopeful we are. You know, we're in a good place, as I say. We're Cork, and we're back. Good man yourself. Beautiful piece. Lovely to chat. The great Barry Roach from the Irish Times. Thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and check out redextra.ie for more great Red FM content.